This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to episode 19 of the Practice of Learning Teams. On today's show, we are joined by one of Canada's great sons of safety, Jeffrey Life, for part two of his podcast. Part one featured in episode 17. Not only is Jeff a practitioner of the new view of safety, he's also the host of the Safety Differently Forum and is very passionate about people and safety. In part two, Jeff shares his views on the future of learning teams, the role of learning teams in operational learning, and how can learning teams create transparency with valued and non-valued activities and the need to evaluate, improve or remove waste. At the end of the episode, I'll be joined by my fellow colleagues, Phyllis McCarthy and Brent Robinson, where we will reflect on Jeff's discussion. So what do you think is going to be the future of learning teams? Oh, I don't think it's going to catch on, Brent. I just think it's, no, I think it's. Um, Too late for the refund on the book, by the way. Yeah, that's right. No, no refunds or exchanges. No, I, I, I mean, I, I can't predict the future. I never could really thought I could maybe back in the day, but uh, certainly have given up on any notions of that. I think that organizational learning and learning teams as the centerpiece of, of operational learning or organizational learning hopefully continues to, to grow and expand. I mean, your, your work uh, in this past year, I mean, there's, there's going into 2021, there's, there's more discussion about this than, than ever before. And, and I think that, uh, you know, as you say, many organizations can, can use learning teams as a, as a one of, uh, but my hope would be that they, that that continues to open the door. If even if you know we haven't done the foundational piece with executives, it, it might open the door to that. And you know, it's not my preferred order of things, but maybe that was the 2020 order of things, and the 2021 order of order of events will be different. But uh, I I think that in we'll look back on learning teams as a uh, a, a movement on this journey that was uh, really instrumental in, in opening the door. And that uh, we might look at past years where, uh, you know, the same things we're saying now were seen as academic or abstract or, or, or not overly strategically beneficial to organizations, for instance. And, and you know, we've evolved through now and uh, through in the last few years of more clarity around the new view principles, more practical clarity around new view, safety two, safety differently pop principles. Um, we may see that phase, but this, this next era, I think will be the era where, uh, learning teams, many, many organizations try them and, and we'll have a rich discussion over the, the nuances, what works, what doesn't try, try again and, and, uh, and harnessing the, harnessing the outputs. And, and, um, I think it's, I, I think we'll look back and see a, a marked change around this time, uh, in a new direction. Well, I mean, we, we're, we're hopeful as well, for, particularly from the point of view that we, we really want to be able to bridge um, those organisations who want to innovate, who are, are very much at the moment in that front view of the new view of safety and safety differently, 
that we we really want to bridge that divide into that mainstream organization and they are different and they're different yeah. for a reason and our approach to one market doesn't necessarily mean the same approach to the other market so you know we, we're putting much more focus into getting people to look at how learning teams can be used from a, a functional perspective as well but keeping to those five core philosophies because you know weaponization is the threat yeah and throughout the history of every system weaponization has always been its downfall mm -hmm. so so i think you know for us weaponization has always been front of mind and and that's why we keep going back to those basics that if people want to embed learning teams in the organization they need to understand what does good what does a good facilitator look like yeah agreed yeah and i think i think that that explains explains to me uh you know hearing you say that again why it's so important for me to 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 start nudging that philosophical shift or at least get it unstuck from the ground um so so that we stand a better chance of of it not being weaponized and and that, that it really being taken for what it is uh you know in a in a generative way because people will default to their normal mode because that, that's right. what's comfortable that, that's right. what it is and um, so many organizations have seen something new come down and be tried one time you know i i really hope that uh that that doesn't happen to, i mean i'm sure it will in in the world but uh i really hope that doesn't happen with this oh, look I, I think like everything else um I, I think we have to work on the basis that it will happen so I, I think part of that journey is, and, and that's why I think that whole um, people having their own individual development plans, people having that coaching and mentoring, it's not about making them the world's greatest facilitators. That's not the purpose. The purpose is really about them having, you know, that, 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 that deeper understanding, that, that nuance that sits behind it. And in the work that we're doing, you know, uh, what a person needs to to run, um, say, learning teams for everyday activities is completely different to what you need for doing, you know, those major investigations. Mm -hmm. Very different skills, very different that. So, so, so what we talk to people about is that we need to we need to embrace the true nature of continuous improvement. There you go. Which businesses do in other aspects of their business i think more readily than they do in the safety space yeah yeah uh, but but you know the classic one is that um you know we, we talked about it before in the book that we talked about that whole pdca model that that it's not about you know we talk about plan do check act it should be about you know it should be about plan do study and apply and that study but we've lost mm -hmm. yeah check check has become checklist i mean yeah, well it's an engineering term yeah it's, it's just been checked or reduced to that absolutely i know absolutely great days though friends and you guys are really responsible for a lot of this movement that's why i'm so happy to be here having this chat with you is that uh oh yeah but you've, you've made a major move this year to to really move the needle and uh yeah and that was pre-covid-19 yeah yeah, yeah. So once again, and you know, I have to turn it around and say it wasn't our doing, it was bloody Todd. Bloody Todd. Yeah. <laughs> and his push to get someone else to write a book um, <laughs> on, on this. But at the same time, um, 
it really sort of made us think quite deeply and to challenge some of our own um, thoughts and concepts and to really look to understand about the science that sits behind it. Mm -hmm. Anyone can go out and write something that's popular. Uh, that's not difficult, but to try and give it some uh, depth and transparency, that, that, was, that was really hard, really, yeah. really hard. Yeah. Yeah. We've really pleased you've, you've, um, you've enjoyed the journey so far. And, um, you know, going on forward, I mean, there is a lot of optimism for 2021. And that optimism uh, purely comes off the back of the fact that organisations more than ever are looking to change. Now yeah, or, or yeah, yeah, less fearful of change now that we've been thrown in it. Um, yeah, for, for uh, well said, and, and for many reasons. Yeah, I think uh, I look for, I look forward to um, a restful holidays, whatever shape they take <laughs> this year. But I, but it's only a few weeks out, and I and I really look, do look forward to the the turn of the year and 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 hitting the new year uh, with a vengeance. And um, you just just really, I think sharing. You know, we've we've shared a hop messaging and and new view messaging for a number of years now, but I think. Uh, we've never been in a better position to move forward into a new year with uh, a, a clear understandings, a, a terrific suite of tools, um, um, good experience in, in having conversations with organizations in different parts of the world, very different organizations, and then again in very different parts of the world, uh, and just really, you know, put all this into play and, and really hopefully evolve the safety space. I think that, uh, you know, the new, the new views generally can help to evolve that safety space, but it's the, it's the, the, you know, the significance of, of learning teams and opening the door to operational learning. I think that's going to really be the energy that, that keeps it going. Yeah. And look for me, the, the, the thing that stuck with me um, this year was that, that if you had have asked me pre COVID, could you do a learning team online? I would have said never, never. But I've got to share with you, they can be done. They can be effective. But it requires a lot more of the facilitator as yeah. a result. So the facilitator carries a much heavier load as a result. And it's it's an interesting skill that had to be developed over time to be able to do that. But in terms of how people participated, what they learned from it, still got the same great outcomes mm -hmm. yeah that's excellent yeah never it is true the move to virtual and we'll and um i'm sorry we'll never beat face to face so face to face is always going to be the best for but sure what we've found is that you haven't lost the context by going online if that makes sense it absolutely does. It's, you know, it's true of, of how we, well, meetings, I think everybody's familiar with. Online facilitation, workshopping is much the same. Uh, we're seeing um, really interesting advantages come from the changes in, in delivery that are required, you know, to capitalize on the differences and, and really go with it. So yes, I, I agree. The same could be said for, for, for learning teams. Uh, going to an online uh, delivery, remote delivery.
Excellent. Another interesting um, thing we've been doing recently, having to, you know, talking about those other countries, is interpretation of our of these terms now that that you know many of us toss around that have been in this space for a while. But uh, it's really become an interesting exercise in interpreting those terms and concepts and definitions uh, for various cultures, and really ensuring that uh, that that we take the time to do that well and right and and you know and you know create a dialogue that's the right ways otherwise it's foreign terms and concepts but uh that's another interesting modern piece of of integration it is and, and jeff look thank you also this year for introducing us um, to extending the notion of sticky introducing us to the the notion of strm stuff that really matters and of course, my personal favorite, Blotto. Yeah, it's not, you know, <laughs> ah, thank you. Um, so Sticky, Matt, Matt Comfer and uh, his work on Sticky. I'm just a huge fan. That's just a massive gift he's given. Um, yeah, and stuff that really matters is, uh, is fun. Blotto, it just doesn't sound good. Like it just sounds. Oh, it has a connotation uh, down here. Yeah. There's a, yeah, yeah. Well, no, there's a connotation everywhere. Highest ranking podcast. I'm sorry. Highest ranking podcast. Let's get Blotto with learning. Oh, oh goodness. See, yeah. No, it's. I, I love the concept. I'm a little bit guarded about the acronym, <laughs> but uh, but the concept I think is terrific. And uh, you're right. A, a sassy little acronym really helps people. Uh, uh, helps people get it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So, look once again. Thank you, thank you for that because they were great conversations um, that were that were being had. And I think just pushing that whole notion, and you know, we're going to be doing more work around this whole push around um, around value and safety and waste <laughs> and safety, and about how to evaluate that. Mm. You know, our thing at the moment is we're basically saying you need to evaluate, improve, or remove. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yep, very similar discussion going on many places. I think that's that you're hitting the nail on the head right there. Absolutely. So, so we're doing good work to help to provide some uh, framing around those types of evaluative type criterias. Once again, um, you know, I'm, I'm not an avid about tools. I really like the idea of creating some framing. Mm-hmm providing those sort of, you know, those diagnostic type things for people to then be able to work with them to help them rather than saying start at A and end at Z. That's not, right. that's not the objective. Absolutely. Agreed. Preaching to the choir, Brent. <laughs> and all the other listeners out there. Um, yeah. For you, Glynis, what would you like to ask Jeff? Um, maybe not ask Jeff, but maybe add a comment on to Jeff. Um, I think, you know, going forward, our new order um, or the new worldview is going to be that we need to be more agile. And I think that if we're going to be more agile, then we need to work in collaboration with one another. Um, and I think that this is where the concept of learning teams has a great deal of merit. Um, I think it provides a platform for those discussions to be to take place in a way that both the workers can learn and I think management can take some value and a, a sense of sort of surety about how risk is being managed. Um, so I feel quite positive about what's going to be happening sort of going forward um, as we all sort of become more comfortable in whatever our new work 
looks like for us. Right on. That's beautiful, beautiful. What you guys are so articulate. What am I doing on this call? I, I that's lovely. I, you know, I think we're in volatile, uh, uncertain, and complex times, and and it's it's a time to to be human with one another and and extend that that empathy, you know, and and just appreciate uh, with that these times we're in. Um, you know, we need we need these broad concepts for what we would call performance, you know, organizational performance in this, in this new space. You know, it's, it's, it's not performance. I don't think is going to be driven the same way it was driven in the past, but it can be allowed to flourish when we, when we practice being good humans with one another and, and practice empathy and, and, and really seek to courageously learn about, about, you know, the details that are, going on in our organizations. Wonderful times. And again, you guys, you've done so much to advance the conversation in these last few months. I can't even believe it. So, so my hat's off to you too. And Brent, who, other Brent, who's not with us. Hey, look, thanks for joining us today, Jeff. It's been an absolute pleasure and we will be so excited to get you back onto the podcast in the future. Looking forward to it. Thank you guys. That was a really interesting conversation with Jeff over those two parts of those episodes. And I think Jeff started off with that whole conversation about learning teams um, as part of the hop journey. And I felt that by the end of the part two, that those things actually may have, may have changed. And I thought it really reminded me about this whole concept about what, what is that whole new safety component and where does learning teams fall in? And I felt that there were really two parts of the conversation. And the new view of safety, you know, one part of the conversation is about the role of the system and then about the role of people who are exposed to the risk. And, and I think it's fascinating that the new view is about the system and the people who do the work. And the conversation is much broader than whether it's HOP, whether it's safety too, whether it's safety differently. And it's workers who do the work have to have this adaptive capacity to keep pace and learn from the changing needs and demands of the operational work. And I think that new view is about how does the organization provide that guiding and supportive environment that then embraces the sort of capacity and that operational learning that occurs every day. And from my point of view, learning teams really is going to be a very important part of doing that because how else can they see operational learning? So I felt that the conversation that we started with Jeff and how the conversation ended with Jeff changed quite a bit as we went through those cycles. Yeah, look, I think um, our conversation really sort of aligns nicely with this, this new view of safety, um, you know, where there's an acknowledgement that frontline workers are always having to try, trying to adapt to um, work and, you know, balance a number of often conflicting goals that they have where work is, where work is being done. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I think that we need to start to have these really um, robust conversations about how the system supports good practice and where there are times that the system, in, in fact, 
um, detracts from good practice. Um, so I think the conversation that we started with Jeff was a, it was a really good one. I think that it's something that we all need to be thinking of as practitioners in terms of is our system supporting good practice? Are we providing the right mechanisms so that our workers are as informed and um, have the right tools to manage risk? Yeah, I, I was really interested in um, where Jeff started from, from the point of view of laying the foundations of HOP and understanding or helping leaders understand where that was going to take them. And, but I agree that at the end of it, it was, he had got to the point that, well, maybe the future moving forward is around learning teams and, and helping develop that organizational learning. And I've sort of come from the same sort of, um, I guess, start in that, you know, with lean or continuous improvement or any of these programs, organizations quite often try and start with this really large new program. And I think they can really disenfranchise people that are further down through the organization. And I think, you know, as practitioners, we've got to be really, really adaptive about how we bring it about, because I don't think after COVID that we're going to have that same big program going forward all the time, you know, and I think that's where we're heading to right now with it is that, you know, it's going to be more like guerrilla tactics. Um, and we really need to think about how we're going to, um, you know, roll it out. And, and, and you know, the other thing that made me think about is how many organizations are actually rolling out large hop program, you know, how many, you know, we spoke to lots of people um, at the hop summit and you know, there's lots of people that are really interested in working with it and working within their organizations, but I think they're working in both directions. I think they're working up towards leadership and trying to convince them of the importance of it and how it is changing. But I think they're also working down to show the people that are doing the work exactly how it's working and how it can, you know, how it can improve and how they can get a better outcome from it. So I think it is really adapting at the moment. I think Jeff's point around, you know, maybe 2020 was about hop and 21's about learning teams. I don't think the two are separate. I think the things are totally integrated together, but I don't think we're going to have those big program rollouts like we might've seen in the past. So, so part of it is about this whole evolving picture about what value does operational learning have um, within the context of both the organization and the worker. And I think it's going to be really interesting. I mean, Jeff talked quite a bit about the whole leadership component and, you know, what is that role of the leader? And I, and I think we're going to really see to start this um, flow out this year because, you know, operational learning, um, you know, creating that transparency, understanding that if we want our system to be resilient and, and um, adaptive, then, then it needs to learn. It, it needs to evolve. And, and how do we catch that learning? And I think even with the HOP Summit, there were still lots of, being, lots of questions being asked about how do we catch that learning? And I know, guys, when we did our presentation about everyday learning teams, there was a lot of interest about people about how to do that. And I yeah. think it's going to be an evolving picture. I think, and maybe it is moving from hop and learning teams into organizational learning you know maybe that's the that is the holy grail that we are trying to get both learning at the worker level and learning at the organizational level um you know again i'm just interested in how 
how many companies are rolling it out as a, a large project versus how many companies are just trying to have a go. I think having a go is a great way of trying it, you know, see how it works. You know, Jeff's, Jeff's view is that you've got to lay those, those fundamentals down. And I totally agree with him that, you know, if you have a learning team and you roll it back up and the um, executive team don't like the answer, then that's going to do some damage to the people who have done the work. But I think you've got to be, you know, agile enough and resilient enough to say, well, you know, we're going to keep on going at it. What do you think? Hey, look, um, Brent, I agree with you. I think that going forward, I think all organisations sort of post-COVID are going to have to be really agile. And for us to be agile, it means that we have to have some really effective means of being able to communicate really clearly without um, all sorts of sort of noise that can often get in the way. Um, again, a lot of our safety systems create a lot of that noise and create that clutter or, you know, are generating um, tasks that are really quite burdensome. Um, in terms of what they're asking our workers to do, rather than promoting and supporting really good practice. Um, and so, you know, I think that going forward, I think Learning Teams has a, a strong part to play in all of this, because it provides an environment that's psychologically safe for both leaders and workers to talk about how work is really being done. Um, and it's only by really understanding how work is being done, can we ensure that work is done safely. Um, and, you know, the people I'm speaking to here in Australia are um, they're not interested at the moment in rolling out these programs, but they're really interested in improving their business, you know, and they see that there's a lot of waste built into safety, but they also similarly like the checklist because it's like a security blanket sometimes, you know, that, oh, you know, we've done the X number of uh, safety observations this month, we're better than we were last month, and we've hit our index, you know, so I think there's some work to be done there about helping them understand is that adding value or it's not adding value. You know, at the moment they feel it's adding value because they think it's actually, you know, hopefully making their business safer. But in reality, I don't think it is. You know, I think it adds a false sense of security, which can actually be more dangerous sometimes. You know, and being in a couple of these companies at the executive level, you know, it's really interesting that how this information comes to you and, you know, it comes in a, in a, in a pack or a monthly report with, you know, great graphs and stuff on it, but you've really got to be cognizant of digging down into the detail sometimes to, you know, test what you're, what you've been told or what you're seeing is actually what's happening. And the best way to do that is to go to where the work's happening, whether it's the construction site or it's the shop floor or it's, you know, the, the field that the, produce has been grown and then understand how that how that works happening and i think this year we'll, we'll see uh the leaders role change as well uh you know once again i think we're, we're in this very traditional market where uh, our current safety systems their their objective is to um find the adaptive work that's going on and try and stamp it out or try and reduce it or minimize it using lots of procedural type components. Yeah. And you know, that's given a lot of comfort to, um, to leaders because that's something that you can actually measure. You can create that metric on. So, so I think you know, this whole concept of, of them understanding that the new view is more about embracing that adaptive component. So rather than trying to stamp it out, have your systems try and guide and support that adaptive component and learn from adaption. In other words, you know, 
moving away from that deficit model of how the worker failed the system to that learning model of how did the system support the worker to be successful? Yeah, it was interesting at the Hop Summit, I heard somebody talk about how um, procedures and standard work actually stop um, Hop happening in some respects. And I, I, and I gave that quite a bit of thought, but I think your procedures shouldn't be prescriptive. They, what they should be is these are the things that you're going to need to do and know about. And really it's the tacit knowledge in between that's going to help you with the, um, of being adaptive. And I think those two things work hand in hand. I don't think you can do one without the other and you need to embrace both. And I, um, and I think this is where the, the grind comes with, you know, the new view versus traditional safety is that traditional safety saying you need to have this really strong procedure and the new view says you should just listen to what the workers say. But I think there's a, there's a point in the middle that, you know, you're, you've got something that documents that process in its wider context, but also is adaptive enough that the workers get to change it when they, when they find something new or an improvement or a better way of doing it or they've found an issue um, or a near miss and let them come to it with that and updating them. And I think if they came back and said, hey, we updated it twice because we this month because we found this and this and we've, this is a better way of doing it. What a great way of what a great way of sharing that, you know. And I think that's in my mind where it's heading. You know, we've got to embrace that. But as leaders, we've got to let it, we've got to let it happen as well, right? And I agree. There's a tension there, isn't there? You know, there's always going to be a tension um, by you know we're wanting to say this is how this is what good looks like for us as an organisation, yep. um, and. It, same time allow some you know allow and acknowledge that you know there is drift and there is normal variability you know there are there, there are conditions that can that can create uncertainty you know there's barriers there can be competing goals there's all sorts of things that kind of get away from us and and move cause us to drift away from you know this is what good looks like so we have to have a balance of both. And I think the only way that we can have a balance of both is that we have an open and effective communication channel. Um, and I think it's through that sort of dialogue um, that is that is privy both by you know, your frontline workers and your frontline management um, that are having those conversations in real time so that we can adjust things because we don't want to get to a situation where everything is haphazardous and we are just all flying you know, by the seats of our pants. But at the same time, we've seen that the rigidity doesn't work either. You know, the rigidity doesn't allow for what really happens as work is being truly done. Um, so we have to find that sort of middle ground. And again, for me, that's where I think learning teams, everyday learning teams, I think is really effective because it sets us up so that we can have a rich dialogue about how work is being managed. Yeah, you know, one, one of the things I've been thinking about is, you know, and again, it came from the discussions we've had over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, people say, oh, the procedure has to be really, it's a, you know, it's, it's a straight line. And Deming realised that that is never going to happen. You have upper and lower control limits. And I think getting your workforce to help you define what those upper and lower control limits look like, help you understand how much the, it's adapting all the time. Now, I don't know if you want to have, a, have a, a map of what that looks like, but I think... I like it as a way of thinking about how you can think about it, that it isn't just this, you, it's A, then B, then C, then D. You know, it's letting you move between the between those control limits. And it's when it's outside of the control limits or understanding that it is moving outside of the control limits, 
is probably the powerful point. You know, I'm, I'm a little, you know, coming back, coming from that sort of quality direction. Um, it gives me solace thinking about it that way. Reinforcing that risk ebbs and flows through the organisation. So it goes back to an earlier episode where we talked about blue line, black line. And we just showed it, you know, we showed that thing that you have, you have this, um, um, you know, flow that, that flows through the organization. And I, and I think understanding that upper and lower limits could be very helpful because we want people to um, have that capacity in between. But we also don't want, and I, and I understand what you're saying, Glynis, we, we, we don't want this free range component where, you know, someone can go outside and exceed, you know, the limits of the design of our safety system that's when things can become quite dangerous so it's giving people that that ability and that capacity and, and the ability to adapt within that frame becomes quite useful and you know when we talk about standardized work uh, i mean you know i think the difference here is you could have standardized work about how different uh, work teams function rather than standardized work for a particular job or a task and I, I think those tasks have changed over over the the long term as well, that we're much more about a custom outcome than we were before. And so those jobs are always going to be highly varied in, in how we go about them, you know, and batch sizes have become smaller and all those types of things that we we crave agility. So, you know, what we're going to build is some capacity into our agility. So we do manage risk. And I think that's, you know, that's the... Um, the point we're going to get to. I really liked what Jeff was saying about he doesn't think we've never been as ready as we are now with um, you know the tools and the knowledge that we've gained, and um, it's going to help us build agility and resilience. And I and I think you know that was his takeaway from that conversation was was around that that you know we've been working at this now for a while and um, those those thoughts and ideas have been around for a while we can we can now leverage on those lean on them and and move forward as we move forward to 2021 and beyond and i think they're taking us all into this notion of operational learning you yes. know we're, we're what we're really trying to do as organization is provide continuous feedback loops that basically allow learning and improving to take place in real time rather than just for learning to take place in, in isolation, say, perhaps after something bad happens, um, but rather that we're able to focus on the learning, you know, about the complexities and the successes and the failures to do with work is done, but in real time. And yeah. I think that that's where we're all heading. And I think that's what we're all really grappling with. You know, what does that actually look like for individual organisations? And all organisations, I think, will have a slightly different take on it. You know, it might be, might depend on the inherent risk within the with the, the type of work that's being done. It might um, it might have a it might be um, in relation to the regulator and you know uh, the the stance of the regulator in that particular sector. It might be in relation to the skill set of your of your existing workforce. How um, functionally divergent are they? You know, I think there's going to be all sorts of factors that will come into play here. So there will be a lot of um, I suppose kind of bespoke components of this new view that we all need to work through and one size I don't think will fit all. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really really good point because I think what we're seeing with HOP and some of those big um, HOP, I don't want to use the word implementation but program is that 
they've typically been rather large organizations. I was trying to think in Australia how many I know of that are that are using it. And um, I think it's, you know, they're all large organizations. So how do you get to that next layer? You know, how do we help people in smaller organizations that actually feed into the larger organizations, like subcontractors and, and contractors and consultants? How do we help them bridge the gap, right? Because it is a big gap. And um, I think that's the other thing that, you know, we need to have a, a, a deeper discussion about that as we move forward, that there's going to be some requirement from the larger organizations that are further along on the journey, sharing and helping the smaller organizations that are very critical to their success, but um, helping them understand how it's a benefit and helping them change some of those mindsets and the, and the leadership of those next level of organizations down. And Brent, that I suppose that really echoes what we've been talking about in terms of learning teams, doesn't it? That we have a community of practice. You know, when I'm listening to you with what you're just saying there, that, you know, those bigger organizations almost, I suppose, have a, have a duty or a responsibility um, to, to provide support and mentorship to other organizations that might be, say, new on that, um, on that journey. Yeah. Um, so, again, I think there's a lot of parallels to what we've been talking about in terms of, of learning teams, that, you know, learning teams can be used in different phases um, of work is done. Um, both in terms of reviewing successful work, in terms of reviewing, say, individual pieces of work and doing a deep dive, reviewing work when, when something has gone wrong, you know, reviewing it in terms of management of change. Um, but the, the success of that or the sustainability of that within an organisation is really about sharing um, success and failure and sharing insights um, with one another so that as, as a group, we kind of grow and develop um, a skill set together. And it almost seems the same in parallel with HOP. You're right, many organisations that have, have adopted HOP are at the bigger end of the scale rather than the smaller end of the scale. But I'm sure there are many at the smaller end of the scale that could take aspects of it or, or facets of HOP that could really benefit their practice. Um, and so, again, we need to come together and share insights. Yeah, it's, I, I really, it's a really valid or it's a super important point you just made a second ago about sustainability with HOP and with learning teams. Because I've seen so many programs like um, quality programs or lean or continuous improvement programs not be sustainable for a, a numerous number of reasons, right? And sometimes leadership, sometimes change of leadership, change of ownership, whatever it may be, there's a whole bunch of stuff that has driven that. And um, the same with HOP and learning teams, you know, how do we make that sustainable? So it just sort of becomes, I'm not a big fan of this, but part of the DNA of that organisation that people really see the benefit of it. And I think, you know, some of the questions we got asked recently were around how do you how do you drive that across? You know, and some of those organisations we were speaking to were talking about, you know, little video clips of successes and failures and, you um, really building on that sustainability. And I think sustainability is such an important part of what we're doing here. You know, that it's not just another program, it's a sustainable change to the way we're going about learning, organizational learning and, and the journey as, as we get on it. So just wrapping up, you know, this is not about perfection. And I, and I think a lot of people try and look at this as being, you know, the, the, the perfection, this is not perfection. Yeah. Because, you know, every ISO standard states the need for continuous improvement. 
So, you know, with this journey, whether it be learning teams, whether it be HOP, this is about seeking opportunities in the system and engaging with the people who hold that knowledge to learn and improve. So, you know, my wrap up here is this is not about perfection. This is not about starting at A and ending at Z. This is basically, you know, the journey is going to evolve. The journey is going to, is going to be different. Um, and it's, there's never a start, there's never an end. And I think that's really the important component from an organizational point of view, because learning is going to be continuous because, you know, we've seen ourselves in the last two, three years, just the, the big shift that's occurred in this whole new view, the new view space. And, and the shift is continuing to change. So I'm excited. I'm really excited about what 2021 can bring, particularly as we start to move into more of the doing bit rather than the, the concept and the overall discussions. So final comments from you, Glynis? Um, again, uh, uh, thanks, Brent. Um, I also share your view of optimism. I think in these uncertain times, I think it's good to put your rose-tinted glasses on and view the world in a slightly more rosier way than perhaps it's currently presenting itself. Um, I do think that we need to find new ways of working together. I think we need to find new ways of ensuring that we are sending our workers out with the best tools and the best skills and the best competencies to be able to do the job safely. Um, and I think we all need to strive to work towards that. What about you, Brent? Um, I'm, again, I'm really optimistic. I think, I think last year taught us that we need to be agile and we need to be resilient. And I think we've come along on that journey. And, you know, Brent, you and Jeff were talking about it in the podcast that if we'd asked, if we'd asked the question 18 months ago, could you run a learning team via zoom you would have gone no way it's going to be face to face and we all agree face to face is always going to be better but we've adapted we're agile and we've changed and i think that's a really um it makes me optimistic it says that we can and we have and we will thank you listeners for being part of this podcast we'd love to hear your learnings from today or other topics you would like us to support you on go to www podcastlearnings.com and be part of the community practice of learning teams at www.learningteamscommunity.com The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.